Welcome to the Druids Grove, where we discuss all things related to Druids, their history, current day practices, and how to build a deeper connection and relationship with the earth. I'm so glad you're here. If you find what I have to share helpful, please subscribe and share with others that may enjoy it, and check the show notes for more information. Come on in, relax for a bit, and I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Druids Grove. We're going to be continuing our discussion about the use of our senses in Druidry. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about our sense of hearing. So our sense of hearing is another sense that we frequently take for granted, but it can be very helpful in Druidry to help us kind of connect to nature. So if we we think of all the wonderful things that we can hear in our daily life, and we we can appreciate them, and we can think about how empty our life would be without our sense of hearing and we can appreciate all these beautiful things that we are able to hear when we you know really stop and think about it so let's first look at how our sense of hearing works so everything that we hear is made of sound waves so all all sound is is caused by uh, vibration at various wavelengths so these wavelengths are disturbances in the air and the sound waves can travel very far distances to reach our ears. So the higher the frequency of the vibration, um, it means the, the, the more compressed and, and together, closer together the sound waves are, and the faster the sound wave, the higher, so the higher the number of vibrations in a small time period, a certain time period, the higher the pitch will be. So think of a really high stream or a high sound uh, that kind of thing. And the lower the frequency of the vibration, or the, the more spread out the sound waves are, the lower the pitch will be. So um, we can think of a guitar string, like think of a guitar string. So the larger guitar string is not wound as tight. Uh, it produces, uh, it's not, uh, the string itself is not as tight. It's very thick and has, it's not tightly wound. And when the, the tuner on the guitar, it's not pulled really tight it's kind of loose and so when you pluck a the larger guitar string it ha- it produces a low deep sound low vibration so um, the smaller tighter string it's it's a very tightly wound string and also on the guitar with the tuner the peg it is pulled really tight so when you pluck it it goes really high and it's really you know so it's really up there i can't do that <laughs> um so our vocal cords are the same way so um you know, larger animals usually make deeper sounds, and smaller animals make higher pitch sounds due to the shape and the length of their vocal cords. So, you know, we can we can think about um, kind of our 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 throat when it when it makes a sound. You know, if we open our throat, it makes a big hollow open tube, and and relaxes the vocal cords. You know, so you can get really deep because your throat is really open. If you constrict your your throat it's like a, a water hose like if you have forced the same amount of water through a water hose it'll come out really hot really fast and really pressured and you know so if you tighten your throat up and i can't do it really well but you can get way up there it's just really super high so it's really it's it's just kind of interesting to think about it from a scientific perspective but anyway sorry um you know so as far as um sound waves traveling uh, we can also look at how they reach our ears. So if you imagine a car or an airplane or something, as these things approach us, the sound that we hear 
will gradually go up in pitch and up in volume. And then as the car or the plane passes us, the, sta- the, the sound starts to go into a lower pitch and then a lower volume. So if something, they don't, they're not producing noise at a different pitch or a volume. It's in relation to the direction that they're traveling in relation to us. So if something's producing noise at the same volume, if it's moving toward you, the sound waves are pushing into each other. And so it's compressing and it's getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And then as it passes you, now it's moving away from you. So the sound waves are not compressed together as much. They're actually spreading out. So because that item is moving or that object is moving at a speed, so the sound waves will get lower and lower and lower. So, but let's look at how do we even hear in the first place. So if we look at our ear and the shape of our ear, they're rounded. So, you know, think about what gesture you want to make when you can't hear something. You know, you put your hand kind of in a cup shape and you put it to the outside of your ear. And what this does, it creates kind of a funnel. Um, which allows the sound waves to, it's like making your ear bigger, basically. So it lets these sound waves get caught by your hand and your ear and directs them into your ear canal. So if you look at your ear in a mirror, or you can just reach up and kind of feel the shape of it, um, if you start at the top of your ear and you kind of feel a little indentation, you can start at the top and and travel, uh, follow with your finger, follow that little indentation all the way down, and you'll notice that it goes... It's like a pathway or a funnel. And then right at the bottom inside your ear, there's like a little bowl, you know, and then it goes right into your ear canal and then right into your eardrum. So our ears are shaped specifically to capture sound and direct it right into our our eardrum. And the eardrum is like any other drum. So when you hit a drum, it vibrates. And what the eardrum does is it vibrates based on the frequency of the sound waves that hit it. And the vibration on the eardrum is then transferred to a series of bones um, behind the eardrum that transfer these vibrations to a nerve that then goes into your brain. So, you know, it's kind of like how the optic nerve works for your eye. So, for instance, you know, you hear something and you think um, that's the sound of the word apple or that is a dog barking. You know, we don't know these things, but we learn them over the course of our lives that we can identify what a sound means, whether it is associated with an animal or a lightning or a tree falling or whatever. And we, we learn these things. We don't know them at, at birth, of course. So in Druidry, we can use our sense of sound to understand the natural world better, which again helps us to connect to nature and like other aspects of Druidry, helps to build a deeper spiritual connection to the world. So we can think about all these wonderful, beautiful things that we hear in nature. You know, and maybe we can even think of some things in nature right now and we can be kind of transported to that place or that, that instance and it can bring us a sense of peace or calm or maybe even recall a, a memory or something that we really enjoyed. So some things that many people like listening to in nature are pretty commonly kind of ignored or dismissed as a part of everyday life, but when we pay attention to them, they can be very magical. Um, you know, one sound is the sound of a bird or bird song. And a lot of people enjoy this practice, but a lot of people are able to identify specific bird species based on their calls. And I I like birds. I I don't, I can identify a few, but some of my favorite birds are uh, crows and ravens. And so you may not know the difference between what they sound like, but 
there are there are apps out there where you can select the bird and it'll play you the bird sound and and tell you what you you know you can kind of help identify it or videos you know that kind of thing but if you don't know the difference between birds you can look them up and or the bird sounds and the songs that they make and um like the difference between a crow and a raven sure they look alike there are some subtle physical characteristics and differences but a crow is typically higher pitched and makes a caw sound so it's like caw 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 while a raven is a deeper pitch and it makes a croaking kind of a sound and I can't do it very well but it's like it's like a it's it's not that deep I can't really do it but you can look it up but they look very similar and if you saw a crow and a raven side by side you might really have a hard time telling the difference but they make very different sounds when you kind of learn them you know and of course there are um, some common other birds around my area are blue jays they make a very distinct sound Uh, doves uh, doves also make very distinct sounds as too, but we can think of other birds like the screech of an owl or the screech of a hawk soaring overhead. But by learning these sounds, you can you know better identify birds and you can pay attention to them, and you can and you can learn about them and see how they interact with your environment. So other animals and other animal sounds may um, bring a sense of uh, either peace or fear or happiness, joy, um, you know, concern. We can think of a squirrel in a tree kind of chittering, you know, making its little barking sound or the sound of, of the squirrel running across the leaves in the winter or on the ground or climbing up a tree. Can you can you hear that sound if you think about it? Can you hear the sound of a squirrel scampering across leaves or, or, or its claws climbing up a tree? You know, what about the sound of a bird? I mean, sorry, a bear. What about the sound of a bear with a deep, you know, guttural growl or a deer in the woods making its its bleeding sound you know they it's called a bleat or they deer will also blow they make a blowing sound um you know or a turkey what about a turkey in the woods do you know what that sounds like can you hear that or what about what other animal animals live around you can you hear these animals in your mind can you think about them right now can you create them so when you imagine these sounds are you able to transport yourself to that area can you take yourself to the woods and hear this sound and then see the animal and have a kind of a, a, a temporary spiritual connection wherever you are you can kind of transport yourself you know when you think of these sounds or when you hear them in the real world what emotions do they bring up in you when you imagine these different animals how do you feel so as i said we can also think about uh different sounds in nature and we can be transported to that place in nature so Think of any sound that you can hear in nature, wherever wherever you are, wherever you live, or maybe somewhere you've been in the past. Um, maybe you can think about and kind of recreate in your mind the sound of a stream or a river. Um, can you hear fish jumping? Can you hear the, fro- the frogs croaking? Um, or a, a body of water with different influences, like a raging rapid after a torrential storm, or uh, the tinkling sound that uh, ice melting in the in the drops of water falling or or the ice cracking when it's melting or 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 water you know being poured over a stone you know what what sound does that make it's it's helpful it's helpful for us to get into nature and to hear these things so that we can um kind of connect with them and and bring a sense of connection and peace anytime we want to recall them and be aware of them and you know Maybe you have never been beside uh, or, or near some of these things. Maybe you've never been beside a waterfall and, and heard the roaring sound that it makes. 
but thanks to the internet, you can we can look these things up and watch them and and hear them and and connect with them. If we're you know even if we're stuck inside, uh, you know maybe maybe you live in the mountains, but you went to the ocean once, or you've never been to the ocean, and you want to know what that sounds like, and you can look that up and you can hear the sound waves of the ocean and 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 really be connected with that. And we use a lot of different things, uh, machines to produce nature sounds which help bring nature to us when we can't get to it and to be in contact with nature. So there's a lot of apps on, you know, phones and computers that play different nature sounds for meditation or to help with sleep. Um, there are, you know, different machines or, or like noisemaker things um, that have different settings. Like, you know, um, people use them for sleep or meditation or and like I've seen them in medical offices to kind of drown out the private conversations in rooms so other people in the hallway can't hear it you know um for, they'll play rainstorms or thunderstorms or a gentle stream trickling or you know whatever just to bring nature in indoors um we use other things like uh, tabletop fountains or you know a large fountain um you know in your home or on your deck or in your yard or something like that to produce the sound of running water at different um, intensities and different levels to kind of help help connect us to nature. Maybe maybe you live in an area where you can have a, a tiny little, you know, a man-made fish pond, a koi pond or something on your patio or just a tabletop fountain. You live in an apartment and you can't really have that, so you want just a little tabletop fountain with the trickling sound of water. You know, a simple tabletop water fountain with a few stones in there to create the sound of a creek or a stream, that can be very soothing. Um, and some of these apps or machines or, or other items, they can produce animal sounds along with other these other elemental sounds. So, you know, you can hear wind blowing through the trees or the sound of a, a tropical rainforest with birds singing in the background. Um, there's just so many different possibilities and so many different ways for us to experience and bring nature into our home or our work setting when we can't get out to nature. You, and you know, and can really using our sense of hearing to connect with these things. So, when I go out in the woods or into nature, along with my sense of sight, one of my favorite things to do is to I try to identify sounds and I, and I listen to things and, and connect with them. So, to use that analogy of when I go to my local park, for instance, there's a creek in the parking lot right near the parking lot. So as soon as I get out of the par- the car, I can hear the water running. I can also hear birds singing, you know, depending on what time of year it is. Um, the other day I took my dog for another walk. Um, we were at this park, you know, and, and we were pretty much alone that day. Um, it, I think it was really cold and there was no one out there. And and it, I think it had snowed very lightly. So there's not a lot of people that like to get out here and when it's really cold. But I really love it because I go to the park and I show up and there's like one car there and I'm like yes, I get the whole park to myself, you know, so, um, it's, it's nice because when you're out in nature by yourself and there's not a lot of other people around, you have less of a disturbance and you can connect more with nature. So, like I said, I like to take my dog for a walk. She loves going for a walk and you can watch your dog if you have one and, and really pick up what sound or see, see how they respond to different things and see what they pick up on because their sense of hearing is much better than ours. Um, you know, my, my dog, well, a lot of times she will just, will just be walking and she'll just immediately stop walking and like turn her head and look off into the distance. I didn't, you know, I didn't hear anything, but I try to see what she's listening to. 
And usually it's just something simple like, you know, a squirrel, you know, jumped off a tree and landed in the leaves or, or you know, running across the leaves or something like that. Um, but, you know, it could be anything. We, we can, you know, we can stop with the animals, our dogs, and we can listen and see what they're listening to. And I, this is a funny story. Um, and I'm sorry to kind of talk about these hunting stories, which I didn't really, like I said, I've only, all, I went hunting only a few times and I only got a deer one time, but, but my, I went a few times with my father and I, it really made me have these just really wonderful memories about being in nature. So that's why I bring these up. And this one specifically has to do with the sense of hearing. And so I was with my dad, I was young and we were up in this large kind of, um, wooden tree stand it was like a a wooden platform built into the tree into these trees and my father had to he had to urinate he had to he had to pee so he he you know he turned himself away from me and instead of climbing down the tree or having a bottle or whatever he he was peeing off the side of this you know tree stand that's you know 15 feet up in a tree or whatever but I was a kid you know and as I'm sitting there um I you know I I have no idea what's you know why he would do this but he, I noticed when he was going and he was doing it, it wasn't just a constant stream you know, that we would normally do when we we're in the bathroom. So it was this very irregular, like starting, stopping, pausing, then starting back up. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, when we go to the bathroom, we just let it go and we pee until we're done. And then we get up and we clean ourselves and we, we go on about our day. But we were in the woods up in a tree stand and he did that and he sat back down. And I was like, well, why, you know, I was whispering, like, why did you, why did you go to the bathroom like that? Why did you pee that way? And he said he was, he was mimicking the sound of a squirrel running through the woods. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What? You know, I just, I didn't understand it. I was a kid and we were so high up in the tree. He explained all this. We're high up in the tree and, you know, urinating in a constant stream would have made a very loud, constant, unnatural sound in that environment. And then, you know, this may, or maybe would have sounded like a very large animal, like a predator or something in the woods and would have scared away the deer. So in doing this, it would sound like a small animal, like running across the leaves. So, you know, think of the sound a squirrel would make, you know, something like that. And, and that was the pattern that he was kind of creating while he was peeing. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I never would have thought about that. So we can, we can do other things to like manage the sounds that we make in the woods, you know, so we don't scare the animals away or, you know, don't seem like we don't fit into that environment. So, you know, um, when, when people are out in the woods, you know, trying to get to a certain spot to observe animals, maybe you're a bird watcher or you are a hunter, you know, we move very slowly. We move very quietly we, we look where we step. We try not to step on any down limbs or, or rocks that may pivot, you know, and, and move and crash down, making a loud noise. Um, we look up ahead of us to, to avoid hitting tree limbs that we may pull and then they may smack back and hit something, you know, hit another tree or something like that. Um, but, you know, we, we do these things to avoid making loud noises to, to affect the sense of hearing in animals so we don't disturb them. And... I, I don't hunt anymore, um, but I in the woods when I'm out walking, I will frequently see deer, like off in the distance. Like I'll be walking on a, like a like a path in the woods, whatever wherever park I'm at or something, and I may try to uh, get off the trail and navigate my way up through the woods to get 
closer to them, to get as close as I can. So, you know, using our sense of hearing, if I can't see them, I can listen to them. I can, whenever I hear them move, I can take a step. I can move, Um, you know, also while trying to watch where I'm stepping and not to make a lot of noise. I can listen for them to make noise if I can't see them. So, you know, um, if I can't see them, I can at least hear them walking and I know that they're not paying attention to me. Uh, so I can, I can move while they're moving and deer frequently make a sound called blowing. They will huff really loudly and they, if they, if they feel that they're in danger or they're trying to see if some, some other animal is there or they sense something, they will stop what they're doing and look in that direction. They'll look in that direction and huff or blow. And this is to kind of see if when they make that noise, if there is something there that it's kind of like a challenge or a test to like, you know, it's like saying move, move, you know, it's like, it's like a test, but you know, just in general, it's really interesting to get out in nature and use your sense of hearing and to interact with other animals sense of hearing. And you can also just listen to see what sounds other animals make. You know, many people use bird calls to try to kind of mimic the sounds of other birds to get them to call back uh, or just to call them in, even not necessarily even hunters, but you know, there's duck calls and turkey calls and things like that. But a lot of people use just little things to make the sound of other birds, just to have birds come in. So maybe they want to feed them or just watch them. So um, other things people may use um, like turkey calls or, um, you know, duck calls. Um, I know a common thing in this area is People will use real or artificial deer antlers in hunting when it's hunting season and they hold one in each hand and they bang them together and shake them and and rattle them because what that does is it sounds like, you know, that there's other, there's uh, two male deers fighting. So that means there's probably a doe in the area and this draws in other, other bucks to, to hunt. So that's just like a, a, just a common thing. There's also, um, people will use other sounds like, um, um, like the sounds of small animals, uh, to draw in vermin or other predatory animals that, you know, a lot around this area, uh, coyotes, um, other animals that, that kill livestock populations. So people hunt coyotes to, to kind of dwindle their numbers to protect, um, other herd animal populations. So they'll, they will use the sound of like, uh, a struggling, rabbit making a really high pitched sound to draw these animals in so that they can control animal populations. There's just so many different, you know, ways to interact with animals around us. So if you think about it, um, you know, if you, if you want to go walking in the woods, what do the animals near you sound like, you know, and how can you interact with animals with using your sense of sound that you produce? You can hear what they're doing. You can hear the sounds that they make. And then you can think about their sense of hearing and interact with them. You know, what does a near you, what animals, you know, if you maybe a, a squirrel or a deer or a fox or a bear, a moose, a bird, uh, you know, what do these animals sound like around you? Um, if you do get out in the woods and um, animals are hiding, say it's the middle of summer and you can't see the animals, would you be able to identify animals just based on their sound and the sounds that they make? So aside from animals, um, to kind of talk about the elements again, we can also think of the sounds like, for instance, water can make. So 
a raging river down to a trickling stream or a waterfall or we can consider um, a gentle rainstorm to a you know big thunderstorm um, or sleet or snow or you know any other form of water um, are you able to imagine that and imagine these different sounds what about the element of air so we can think of wind um, but a gentle breeze through the trees is a much different sound than a tornado you know they make completely different sounds but they are still both the element of air and, and this brings back another memory I used to live in an area where we would get tornadoes frequently um, we would have tornado warnings a lot and they always said that if if there's a storm and you hear something that sounds like a train uh, you know you should take shelter you should take cover because that's probably a tornado that's what it sounds like is a train that's what I've heard and that's what I learned and I've, I've never been close to a tornado personally there was one instance where um, I was I think I was at my grandparents and there was kind of a hill that sloped to the back and there were tornado warnings all around us and this really loud roaring sound was like on the back side of this this hill or this mountain and I don't know if it was a tornado, but I remember hearing it and, and thinking, oh my gosh, that sounds like a train. We need to hide. And we, we took cover, but we didn't have any damage near us. But it's just really fascinating to think about and to hear. You know, but you can also contrast that with, you know, uh, the gentle breeze blowing through the trees. Um, you know, these are different sounds. And even thinking about the trees, wind blowing through the trees in the summer with all the leaves on it makes a completely different sound than in the winter when there are no leaves on the trees you know if you think about it you can even tell the difference between um, like spring or summer and fall when the leaves are on the trees the leaves make a different sound in the winter versus in the fall when they when the leaves are kind of brown and dry and brittle so if you think about these sounds, you can then you also uh, see it in your vision. You can you can visualize what this may look like. You know, um, speaking of trees, a, a, a diseased or dead tree blowing in the breeze, not just the leaves, but the actual tree creaking in the wind, that sounds much different than, you know, a healthy live tree swaying in the wind. We can think of the sound of wind on a mountaintop versus down in a valley and just how these make different sounds so we can also think about the element of air with animals in a sense so we can think of uh, birds have you ever had a bird fly overhead really close to you or an owl swoop over your head while you're out in in nature it's a really odd feeling to hear that rush of air blow by you you can you can really sense how versatile and agile these animals are or uh, if you've ever been around uh, bats they make a very distinct noise uh, you know at sunset I was in a park one day and I, I heard this the flit this flittering sound of the the bat in the wind and I was like it sounds like a bird but it doesn't sound like a bird and I you know I was looking around I couldn't see it but then I saw it and it was uh, there were a couple of bats flying around overhead so continuing with the elements you know there's other another sound we probably don't want to think about is this the the sound of fire so we can think of a fire in a fire pit or a fireplace, you know, that, that would be soothing. You know, the crackling of the wood, that kind of thing, that's very soothing. But we typically don't want to hear the sound of fire out in the woods or out in nature. Um, but if, if we think about it, um, you know, we can think about our ancestors 
and we can think about the the fire festivals that they would have celebrated where they have with these uh, big bonfires you know thousands of years ago um the fire festivals are the opposite of um you know the solstices and the equinoxes in druidry or in other pagan practices so like uh Samhain, uh Imbolc, um Beltane and Lunasad are they're all called fire festivals and this is because uh fire is commonly used at these festivals so you can for and they're used for various reasons which you know I I I went into it in the episode about Samhain and I'll talk about the others when I do the episodes on the the future um holidays of the will of the year uh, but fire festivals are very common, and 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 the reasons behind the fire. Um, other other ways we can kind of hear uh, hear the element of fire is in lightning. You know, we would call it thunder. We hear thunder, we see lightning, but the sound of thunder is simply coming from the lightning. You know, it's some people have maybe never even heard lightning or heard thunder. Maybe they live in an area where they don't get thunderstorms. Um, but it's really it's really interesting to think about it from a scientific kind of and, and from an elemental perspective of what's causing that noise, and and the sound of lightning can either be peaceful and relaxing, you know, the sound of a quiet thunderstorm off in the distance, or it can be terrifying if you've if you've ever been, you know, within a mile of lightning striking, it is a terrifying sound. It's very scary and very loud. So continuing with the elements, if we look at the element of earth, it's really kind of challenging to think about the element of earth and sound. So, you know, we could maybe think of an earthquake uh, or an avalanche of like boulders or snow coming down a mountain. Those are those are kind of drastic, you know, a volcano erupting. We can think of those, um, but we can we can think about the sound of trees. So we talked about this earlier. The trees are part of the earth. The trees are part of the element of earth. So we can think of, you know, uh, the sound of a tree crashing down in the woods or um, what about the different sounds uh, different trees make when you tap on them have you ever have you ever gone up to a tree or even a, a, a dead tree or a log and and used your finger or, or something and tapped on it um, they make very different sounds you know some are dense and, and some are hollow and um, some are alive some are dead you know what about the sound of an acorn dropping from a tree and landing on different surfaces? Um, you know, we can just hear that, uh, landing on leaves versus landing in soil or on a rock or the kerplunk as it lands in a stream. So we can hear all these things and, and connect with them with our druidry and understand kind of the, the, the connection to nature and the cycle of nature in all of these things. You know, what about... Um, the sound of leaves as you walk through the woods in the winter versus the sound of uh, walking on grass in the summer. You know, these are all different sounds that we can hear in nature. Um, we can also think about our ancestors or uh, even uh, art artisans or artists today, um, you know, banging rocks together um, to make different shapes, you know, making flint, making arrowheads or making tools. Or these are all element of earth, you know, thinking about the use of sharp stones to shape wood for making spears or, or other tools. You know, that, that whittling sound of a, a sharp object scraping wood. Um, anything made of earth can, can emit a sound. Um, and, and many people today, there's a lot of bands, uh, bands that use natural items to create music. 
which kind of it's it's kind of harkens back to our ancestral times and and um, you know we can think of how people used to make music thousands of years ago you know they would take animal bones or small sticks or, or limbs or whatever and they would hollow them out or, or use stone to make tiny little holes in them you know like an animal's femur bone is not long and straight and they could hollow these out and put holes in them and make a flute um, another you know I did this as a kid it was always fun um, have you ever taken a blade of grass and pinched it between your finger and your thumb both both hands and then put the blade of glass in your mouth like you would if you imagine someone blowing on a flute or, or blowing into a flute kind of your part your lips are kind of parsed a little bit and you put that blade of grass right in the middle not touching anything and then you blow through it it makes it you can it makes a really high-pitched kind of musical sound just with a blade of grass and another kind of different concept of the aspect or, or the element of earth uh, we can think of a cave so the sounds that um, would be made in a cave are different than the sounds that are made out in the open in the forest or in a field and, and ancient people uh, used caves or burrows. They were very spiritual places, and they had ceremonies. And a lot of this was due to their acoustic nature as well. So, you know, singing or chanting in these spaces creates very distinct sound that is not possible out in the open. So kind of stepping away from the elements, um, we can look at other sounds that we can hear in nature. So, you know, again, think about experimenting with your voice. Uh, in different settings in nature. So try humming, uh, singing, chanting, you know, in a forest or in a field, uh, on a mountaintop or, or in a valley. You know, how does your voice sound different in these different settings? Excuse me, I had to get a drink there, sorry. So, you know, try to experiment making um, different sounds with your voice. Our voices are very powerful. They are a, a, a source of energy to put energy out into the universe and to communicate with the universe. You know, um, everyone has a different mm, kind of natural pitch to their voice. Um, you know, and experiment with this. Try to make deep guttural sounds. You know, try to go as deep as you can go. Um, opening your throat, open your mouth. Um, you know, let the sound kind of bellow out. It comes comes coming deep from in your lungs you know you can really open your throat and get a really deep voice you know just kind of play with it and and experiment with it um you know then you can try to close your throat you can get a more and more constricted um tube to kind of force this using the same force to push the same amount of air out through this smaller opening you know and you can play with your the pitch and your volume and you can really feel the difference um you know, you and using these different sounds, you may have a different feeling. So there's kind of a. It's almost there's a there's a concept in in some cultures called throat singing, and if you've not looked it up, it's it's really cool. You you know, check it out. Um, it's it's not for everyone, but it's a it's such a deep like vibratory guttural chanting sound, but. Um, even in, in a lot of pagan practices today, um, people will uh, chant together or, you know, in, in other religions or spiritual practices, they sing together. You know, what's the point of this? It's to bring this sense of connection and we're all on the same page and we're all getting into this same spiritual place. You know, and in Druidry, in the Bardic Grade, we learned about 
uh, in Obad, we learned about Awen and, and, and one kind of thing they encouraged. I'm not going to go too in depth, you know, about it, but, um, they encouraged, you know, chanting the Awen and, and it, the word is spelled A-W-E-N, but the way it's pronounced, a lot of people pronounce it Awen. And so, you know, um, try saying the word Awen with different pitches and different inflections and chanting it. So, you know, you may go from a low, a very low pitch kind of deep in the, in the chest, you know, and saying, you know, and then you can also experiment with a very high pitch up in the top of the throat, kind of in the back of the mouth even, and, you know, chanting it, you know, very slowly over, you know, three to five seconds. And then you can say it very quickly and, and just experiment with it. And, a lot of times when you, you know, say it with a very low pitch, you know, you can think about how you feel. It's like very grounding, you know, saying it, you know, 10 or 15, 20 times in a row or even five times in a row. But but saying it from this really deep, low pitch, it's like it's like it pulls you down. It connects you to the earth, you know. You, you say it very slow and you can just, for example, say, Owen, Owen. Owen, you know, saying that over and over, it's just like this very, I'm really nervous to do that. Sorry, I don't sing or anything, but especially on a podcast, (laughs) but you know, just chanting something like that. It's, it's such a different experience than just talking in your normal voice, you know, and that carries a different feeling. If I, if I make that sound to you, if I say, Owen, Owen versus Owen, Owen. And as I'm doing that, my dog looks up at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> so those are very different feelings and they convey very different, you know, meanings and connections behind them. So just experiment with that. So, you know, if we think about even the pitch of our voice and how we express it and and, and, and use it to different people, they mean it can mean very different things. Like you can say the most polite words in an angry tone or an angry sound and it can it can come across as being very hurtful or you can say very harsh words but say them in a very polite tone and it can have a very different meaning so it's not even just your words that matter but it's the inflection and the pitch and how you use your words so then something else to really think about um, we can think about non-natural sounds and how they make us feel so if we think about um, many people live in cities so they don't really get to hear the sound of, of nature that much but they also very rarely get to experience complete silence. So it's, it's kind of sad to think about that there are people in the world that have never been able to go somewhere and just sit in nature or to go somewhere and just experience true silence. So like there's this one spot in, in the park that I go to, and I talk about it a lot, I'm sorry, but it's a very deep valley. It's way back in, in the woods, and for whatever reason... It is just dead silent in this one curve going around this mountain with steep valleys on either side. And very rarely I might hear a squirrel, but I can stand there and it is just complete silence and it's so peaceful. But there are people out there that never get to experience that. You know, in a city and in our human world, we can think of like cars and planes and, you know, TVs and the hum of the air conditioner or the heater, you know, people you know people being all around and and the shuffling of their feet and the chatter and phones ringing and 
car horns and you know electrical lines and microwaves and clocks ticking and it's just you, you think about all of these it's just like this frenetic energy that is, is like constant stimuli that doesn't allow you to truly just be at rest and at peace you know if we think about how these unnatural sounds they interfere with our normal way of being and they disconnect us from 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 nature and they inter- and they also interfere with animals so you know think about um you know there's a lot of birds sitting out in a a field for example if a car drives by just the, or or honks the horn or something like that just a noise that can can scare animals and scatter them so it's disruptive to them too and if we think about unnatural sounds in the natural environment you know what about, um, you know, the sound of a chainsaw or a bulldozer, you know, uh, and then you combine that with the sounds of trees falling or being crushed. You know, what do you feel when you think about that? For me, it's kind of disheartening. It's like, it's like this, this internal pain of sadness, if I think about it. You know, if we think about ancient times, old times, you know, the sound of an axe chopping a tree down or chopping wood. For them... It may have been a sense of comfort because they would know that they would be able to survive the oncoming winter. They would have a fire and be able to cook food and have a structure. You know, we can also think about, um, you know, in a positive note, being in nature, sitting at the edge of a lake at sunrise or sunset. You know, how do you feel, you know, enjoying a sense of peace and tranquility and then, you know, having it disrupted so let's say you're sitting at a lake and you're watching the sunset and it's just very peaceful and then you hear a boat or a jet ski come around the corner and start coming towards you like does that disconnect you from the from that experience does it does it pull you out of that moment and you're like oh yeah i'm a human and i'm stuck in this human world with machines and like for me it does that i don't know maybe that's just weird um but that's you know introducing these like human made sounds that are unnatural into the wilderness it just can bring about a sense of kind of separation or disconnect so you know when you go out into nature think about how you're using sound you know not just what you are perceiving thinking about the things that you are 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 taking in but what are you putting out think about think about the sounds that you are emitting and and putting out into nature and how it's affecting your environment that you're interacting with so however you choose to think of, of the sense of sound or the sense of hearing and you, you utilize it in your druid practice, again, it can bring a deep sense of connection and, and understanding about your environment to help you feel connected to nature more than, more than ever. It's just opening up to it and being aware of it can help you feel connected. You know, Experiment with making different sounds. Experiment with listening to, to different sounds in different settings and, and pay attention to the, like the subtle differences and and how you feel when you hear them or when you make them. Um, you know, and you can carry the, these sounds over with you and these memories into your daily life and you can access them at any time. So, you know, you're going about your busy day in your office, you can think back to, um, you know, think back to hearing the waterfall or think back to hearing the crows calling across the field to each other and you can just have a moment of, of, of serenity and connection to nature that you would otherwise not be able to experience so again by using our senses and connecting these senses to our memories uh, we can connect ourselves to nature and, and place ourselves in any environment that we want to at any time 
So thank you again for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Um, I'm going to do another episode on the rest of the senses as well. And I, I hope you find this helpful. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for joining in at the Druid's Grove. I thoroughly enjoyed sharing this time and information with you. I hope you learned something and are inspired to build a connection to the earth and the world around you. If you liked what was shared, please feel free to give back at Buy Me A Coffee. Join me on Substack, where I have transcripts, or listen on YouTube, and find the group on social media. For more information, check the show notes. I'll see you in the Grove. Until next time.